Our scripture reading for today comes from John chapter 3, verses 25 through 30. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who is with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing, and all are going to him. John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. This is God's word. Please be seated. All right. Thank you, Sarah. Well, uh, hi, everyone. So good to see you all here, to be in person, just to gather here, um, you know, together to get to, to worship in this new space. Um, I just want to introduce myself and, and yeah, again, hello on, online. And um, if I say good morning or good evening or tonight or today, right, just give me grace. Um, I could blame it on where we're at, but also just, it's just COVID, right? Like, I don't even know what month it is right now. Um, I think my kid's had a birthday, something. I don't, um, no, my, my name's Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption um, Tucson. And um, I just want to give you a, a heads up. Um, when I preach, I typically stutter. Actually, I do all the time, but also when I, when I preach. And so just want to make sure that you know what that is. And um, also, I want to just let you know, I don't know if they did, but there's like an overflow room out there. Um, I don't know if that's even the right term. We could come up with it together. Time out. I don't know. I can even just call, call on people, kids or adults. If, if you need to go to timeout, that'll be over there. But no, that can just be like a spot to just, you know, hang out. And um, there's some, some other chairs and things if you need to space out and stuff. There's also outside, we've got some awnings up and things. So we're um, doing everything that we can just to kind of get settled in here. And um, yeah, I just want to again, yeah, thanks, Corey, for preaching last week. It was, it was awesome. I got to watch from um, Pine Top where I was with my, with my family, and it was cooler and, and stuff up there. And um, and also, I just want to give you a, a couple heads up, some things that we need, um, we could just use, right? If, if you are part of Redemption Tucson, if you come consistently or you're a member, um, we could use, right now, as you notice, we're not doing the handout thing anymore, thankfully. So now we, we have some um, PowerPoint up there. So we could use some folks. Um, if you have an index finger, um, you can do it, all right? You just push along with that. So anyway, we could, we could use some folks to help kind of move the... PowerPoint along when we sing worship. And also, um, we can move this camera out of the way over to here um, on the side. If we had someone who could also, with an index finger, I think only one, uh, you can zoom in and zoom out because we need to move. Because apparently I'd look really short, um, even more so than normal. And uh, uh, if I'm over here and the angle, so we don't want that, right? I have insecurities and stuff. So we need someone to be able to operate the camera. And if we have enough folks who offer to help, um, we can move that so it isn't in your way right there. But um, uh, so anyway, you can email Tucson at RedemptionAZ.com if you have any questions um, and, and or you want to serve in, in some way. That, that'd be great. So let me go ahead and pray as we get into our time together in God's Word. We're in John chapter 3. So we're continuing in a series through John, which we have been in um, for the last couple of months. And we will continue in. And I'm excited to get into our time together. So let's, let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time we have together. We pray for you to guide us and direct us through your word, by your Holy Spirit. As I shared a couple weeks ago, we do believe that, that Lord, that um, preaching is the hostile takeover of the heart through your word, by the power of your Holy Spirit. And, and we, we pray that, Lord, that the words of our heart and the, or the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our heart will be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, as we come expectantly and humbly together before your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever been to a wedding that there were some cringy moments, specifically with like the best man speech or the maid of honor speech? Um, you know, maybe it was someone else, some speech, some moment. Um, I, I'm not going to do it right now. I don't have any way to show you clips, but I just thought of a number of different movie clips. Um, earlier, Chris Heine was in here, and I'm sure he could think of, if you've seen The Wedding Singer, I normally quote every Adam Sandler movie. You've seen everyone. Well, there's a lot of cringy moments there where he's, you know, giving speeches or talks and things. And um, the best of all time that comes to mind, though, is in The Office, the, the show The Office. If you've ever seen that, when Phyllis gets married to Bob Vance, Michael Scott is supposed to walk her well, no, he's not. He thinks he's supposed to walk her down the aisle, but he's actually supposed to escort her father to push her father, who's in a wheelchair, down the aisle. And in typical Michael Scott fashion, he puts on display in crazy fashion what's actually true of all of us, but we tend to hide it a little bit better than he's able to do. Well, he thinks that the, uh, <laughs> the wedding's all about him. And when her dad, who doesn't normally walk on his own effort. Um, it gets up to walk down the aisle to escort his daughter down the aisle. And uh, Michael Scott tries to like hold him down. And, he's, and then he gets really upset because he's like, he's taking his moment. And, he, and then he, he inserts himself in the, in the groomsmen line. And it's, it's, it's uncomfortable. And usually, again, most of us don't, aren't that, that overt with our selfishness, with our self-centeredness. But um, the fact is, the truth is, because of sin, which is turning away from God, which is saying it's not about you, it's about me, my identity, my purpose, all that life is about is all about me, because of sin, um, we all have an incredible focus on ourselves. And really, in all of life, we tend to approach it thinking, how can I make this about me? And we get a chance this morning, this evening, see, there it is, to look at John the Baptist. This is going to be our last time interacting with John the Baptist, who we've seen throughout John this time. And John the Baptist, we see, when we talk about living all of life, all for Jesus, we see that really embodied, really kind of brought to life through John the Baptist. And specifically, in our time together right now in John chapter 3, verses 22 through 36, we see how his gaze is on Jesus, how he, he embraces Jesus being the hero of the whole story. And so what we see, just to kind of break it down for us, is three, three aspects where we see that life is all about Jesus. And it's because life comes from Jesus. All of life, every aspect of life comes from Jesus. And then life, all of life, everything is ultimately about Jesus. And then lastly, in the end, we all, and all of our life will 
have to answer to Jesus. Okay, so that's the, what we're going to kind of walk through this morning. So pick up with me now, and sorry, this evening. For you online, I'm thinking about you right now. It's this morning. But for all of us, um, look, look with me here in verse 22 of John chapter 3. After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptizing. John also was baptizing at Anon near Selim because water was plentiful there. You can, you can chuckle at that sometimes. Sometimes we just kind of tune out and we read through, but I just think it's kind of funny that the author, John here, states the obvious for some reason. Why are they there? Well, because there was a lot of water there, um, right? So you're, you're baptizing, you need a lot of water. So water was plentiful there. And people were coming and being baptized, for John had not yet been put in prison. And then in verse 25, now a discussion arose among some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness, look, he's baptizing and all are going to him. So there's a little bit of potential confusion going on here with John the Baptist's followers. And, and, and as we press in there, there's a little bit of, they're worried there's a little bit of maybe posturing or flexing going on where there's this like, well, man, we've got our crew and we've got our thing and what we're doing right now. And, and, and they're doing their thing. And there's actually more people over there with, with Jesus. Um, you know, should we be concerned about that? And let's just be honest. There's, this is so prevalent in our hearts and our lives. As Sarah said earlier during the welcome, and she talked about there's, there's a cost to Mission Church who meet here on Sunday evenings and that they are opening up their doors and they're allowing us to come in here on Saturday evening. And we're on Saturday evening because another church, Crossing Crown Lutheran Church, meets here on Sunday morning. And all of us pastors get together once a month with um, a group, the Gospel Coalition um, group of pastors in, in, in three different congregations, three different churches. Um, we all gather together and now here they're, they're generous and they're opening their doors and, and you see uh, on display what's, what's abnormal. All right, even again here in Mission Church, we got to be at the vineyard. And now what's so cool too is that um, um, Mission Church, when they first started um, a long time ago, so Epicenter used to meet at the vineyard where we were, right? So they met there on Sunday nights for years and years. They came in and they were joking about that. And they're like, man, the, the vineyard. They, and, and as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, they just set the tone. They set the stage for all of us to take our examples from as the body of Christ, not living for ourselves, living all of life, all for Jesus. And it's because Life ultimately always comes from Jesus and belongs to Jesus in every way. Look at John the Baptist's answer to his disciples who are confused. They're like, what's going on here? They're, they have more people than us. Their crowd has grown bigger than us, all this stuff. And John the Baptist just gets it. He answers in verse 27, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him, right? He's like, you, you should remember, I said, I said all along, and now he's getting 
tested in that. Right now, your identity is on the line here. Your, your reputation is on the line. Jesus' group is growing bigger than yours. What are you going to do with that? Is, is, your, is your confessional faith going to be in line with your functional faith? What you say when it's easy, right? When we say, oh, it's not all about us. All of life is all for Jesus, right? There's nothing to prove and nobody to impress. Well, when push comes to shove, often life reveals whether or not that is true. And in John the Baptist, we see an incredible example where he believes that. In fact, as he says there, he rejoices. He's like, finally, it's time. I'm, I'm excited that, that Jesus is, is taking his place and that more are following him. This is why I came to begin with. And down in verse 31, we see fleshed out even more. He says this, he who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. So the author, John here, when he writes this, referring to Jesus, he's, he's, there's kind of a play on words there. And he's saying, he who comes from above is above all things. So, so church, let's just consider for a moment in our individual lives and for us as a church, right? What, what does it look like for us to actually functionally believe and live out all of life is all for Jesus? What well, what does it look like for us to live in a, in a non-anxious way where we, we, we operate, we live as a church in such a way, again, as I talked about, like Mission Church is doing, like the Vineyard Church has done, where we have a sense where everything we have, whether it's numbers, finances, building, whatever it might be, all I have has been given from God. It's given, if, right? Like he says in verse 27, if anyone has anything, if anyone's received anything, um, you, you can't have it unless it's been given to you from heaven. So what does it look like if you're, you're, you're able to just have an open-handedness toward everything you have, to have a non-anxiousness where you think, oh, I've got a grasp, I've got to hold on to. Well, again, if it's been given from above, if, if it's been given from Jesus, and if it's given so that it can be used for his glory, for his purposes, for his mission, there's, there's a freedom. Like, can you picture the freedom in life of not, not thinking I've got to grasp this? I've got to hold on to this. What, what I've been given again for our church, this hits home for me where we think, oh no, a global pandemic hit. What's this mean about us? Like, how do we protect this thing that we have built? Well, if we understand we haven't built this thing from the beginning, it's been given entrusted from him for his purposes. So how can we just non-anxiously now respond to him, be led and guided by his spirit to do what he is leading us to do? How can we just generously give toward others? How can we engage in this season with, again, a, with a, a freedom, with a, a posture of generosity, of faithfulness, of love, of moving toward others? And, and, and I just want to even, again, consider in our individual lives as well, what, what does it look like? to live all of life recognizing that it's all been given from him. Whatever we have is from him. And it's because ultimately too, there's great joy in living all of life that's all about him. Okay, pick up with me now where we see John the Baptist continuing to talk about this. And um, yeah, we'll pick up here in verse 29. So John the Baptist continues, the one who has the bride is the bridegroom. 
The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. Verse 30, if you underline or circle anything in your Bible, I encourage you to memorize this verse, to circle it, to underline it. He must increase, but I must decrease. Again here, John the Baptist gets it. Somehow, acknowledge here again with me, right? I said because of sin, because of sin, we all in our nature always will live for ourselves. We're obsessed with ourselves. We can, we can try, we can say it, we can as much as we want, but coming from our hearts, outside of God's intervention, we are navel gazers. We are looking at ourselves. We are always thinking, what's in it for me? How's this gonna platform me? How's this gonna build up my reputation, my status, my finances, my possessions, my popularity, whatever it might be, it's always that's gonna come from our hearts. That's what's referred to as the fallen condition, right? Because we all, as Kira read earlier, right? We all have sinned. There is no one righteous, no, not one. That's our nature. And yet it's a miracle what we see in John the Baptist. This is what um, author and pastor R.C. Sproul says about what's going on here. John was saying, I am not the bridegroom. The bride isn't mine. The bride is his but I'm the best man. I get to go to the wedding feast and stand right next to the bridegroom as he enters into the joy of this wedding. For John, that was an unspeakable privilege, a joy that was matchless and immeasurable. He didn't covet the bride, but he delighted to stand with the bridegroom on the occasion of that wedding. Okay, again, that, that kind of silly, ridiculous image I shared earlier of Michael Scott, right? That's just putting on display what, what we do in life. Well, what about me? What's this mean about me? How can I, right? I don't want the, the father of the bride to get the, the glory. I want to. And then even, even further, like, I don't, want the, I don't want the groom to get the glory. He actually cuts off the minister, which I would have just tackled him right there, right? You know what? But he, he cuts him off and tries to say, you know, ladies and gentlemen, I now present to you for the first time, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Bobette. He, and he like, and it's before they've even exchanged their vows. Again, it's cringeworthy. It's awkward, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a clear picture of what we really naturally do. And yet, by God's grace, through his spirit, John the Baptist somehow miraculously is restored to understanding the incredible privilege, the delight, the joy it is. That in fact, when we're striving for joy to make life all about us, we're actually going to be left more frustrated, ultimately more embittered. We're going to trample over one another, right? We're going to try to, to push others down to elevate our own status on churches are going to combat with one, each other, one another and fight for one another and fight and, and try to posture and, and have this in, and we'll say things that are, oh, it's all about Jesus. But in reality, it's not. But through God's intervention, because of the gospel, we can be freed from ourselves. We can, be, we can be like John the Baptist. We can delight in saying, he must increase. The whole point of living. All right, there's this, this understanding that, that God in the very beginning, he is the creator that our, our purpose, right? I talked about our sin nature, but our, our creation nature, 
right? There's this, 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 this Latin term, the imago Dei, the image of God. We are designed, we are created to live for his glory, to reflect him, right? To, to, to do everything we have in life saying, yeah, yeah, look, it's, it's all been given from him. It's all for him. Uh, I delight in him being glorified. And, and we see that in Jesus coming, we see John the Baptist humbly delighting and rejoicing in Jesus increasing and Jesus's fame growing. And yet even in John's humility, Jesus outdoes even him, right? Even John's humility isn't full, isn't complete. It will eventually fail. He'll eventually in and of himself turn and make it about him in some way, like we all will because of sin. But Jesus perfectly, humbly allows us to live all of life, delighting in him, rejoicing in him through him. Because he did what we would never do for ourselves. There's this other um, author, he's incredible, Paul Miller, and he actually just wrote a book. We've actually talked about him before, but he wrote a book where he, he, he fleshes out this idea of the J curve. And he talks about that we see in the person of Christ that, that through dissension, through humility, through crucifixion comes glory, comes resurrection. That by giving of yourself, you actually find yourself. And again, it's only through Christ. We can only do that because Christ first did what we could and never would do in and of ourselves um, this is, we, we see that most clearly in Philippians chapter two, and I'll just pick up in verse five, in verses five through eight, but the whole chapter talks about, it's this picture and this image of, again, Jesus, though he has everything, he chooses to descend, to give of himself, and then through that, the Father raises him and glorifies him all the more. So picking up, um, again, Philippians chapter two, verse five, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Okay, and as we talked about, only through Christ Jesus, because of Christ Jesus, if you have submitted to Christ Jesus, if you give your life to him, if you have faith in him, through him, you are now in Christ. And now then you can have this mind. Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Okay, the, the creator became one of the created. And being found in human flesh, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. So Jesus knows the final outcome. Jesus knows that in the end, he will be glorified. That in the end, the final and actually the same imagery, the same language is used of a wedding feast, the wedding feast of the, the lamb, the lamb of God, the one who, who humbles himself and gives of himself, that he will be glorified, that, that everyone from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every people group will come and will, and will worship him and he will be glorified and all people will find their status. Like we get a little window 
a little picture in John the Baptist. All people will be fully and ultimately satisfied by worshiping Jesus. And Jesus, knowing the end, knowing the final outcome, chooses to submit to the Father's will by, first of all, the Creator, God the Son, becoming created, being born as a baby, having to have his diaper changed, right? Having to grow up, having to learn how to walk, having to interact with creatures that he created who constantly disrespect him, who constantly live life other than he created and designed us to live life. But then even more, he takes it a step further and he humbles himself. The ultimate, the, the descent, if again, if you're picturing like a J, the letter J, the very bottom, he dies. And he dies alone. He dies scorned. He dies not just the pain, but the shame of being put to death on a cross the most despicable, humiliating way possible. And then through that, on the third day, the Father raises him from the dead. He is glorified through his humility. And, and, and we see that in Christ, and we can only have that in Christ. And, and, and again, I just want us to sit for a moment and understand how in and of ourselves, that's, that's impossible. We, because, right, we struggle to believe the end of the story. Like again, in the moment, I don't know, but just think whatever comes to mind for you. What is it maybe at work? There's a time at work when it seems like someone else is getting the credit that you deserve. You're the first one there and you're the last one to leave. And yet someone else gets the credit for, oh, they're really, they get the employee of the month or the employee of the year. They get the bonus. They get the promotion, Right? And you deserve that. Right? If maybe you're a middle school kid or a high school kid or an elementary school kid and you're already early on experiencing the injustice of social life, right? Or, or you're, 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 um, you're getting overlooked because you're doing what your parents say. You're, you're loving your neighbor. You're being kind. You're not entering into gossip. And as a result, the gossip is now turned on, on you, right? You don't have to be a kid to experience that, right? And, but sadly, even as a kid, you experience that. Or you're an athlete and you're hustling and someone else is sandbagging and the coach somehow overlooks that and misses the fact and glory, they get to start over you even though they don't hustle in practice, right? We can think of every aspect of life. And again, we, we tend to want to strive and to say, well, no, if I don't speak up though, if I don't demand justice, if I don't demand my rights, then what's going to happen? Then I'm just going to be left looking like a fool. You know, I'm going to be left hat in hand. It's not going to work out for me. But what Christ invites us into is his own life of humility, of self-sacrifice. And the promise is that because all of life is all about him, that if we now live life in him, through him, for him, we too get to experience that, that J curve. We too get to, by dissension, by self-sacrifice, by giving, by loving others as we would want ourselves to be loved, even when that's not the case, then we too get to experience glory with Christ for all eternity. And we see that known by John the Baptist. Even in that moment, we see a picture where he's like, good, 
good. I don't care. It's not about me. He must increase, but I must decrease. And then in the end, church, lest we be tempted to say amen, amen right now and to say, oh, I I agree with that. And then to go out and actually live our lives differently than what we confess, we see in verse 36 that in the end, all of life, all of our lives will ultimately have to answer to Christ. It's not just about what we say, but how we live actually matters. Okay, look in verse 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. You see a direct connection there. Whoever believes the Son has eternal life. Well, how do you know who actually, authentically, truly believes? Whose confessional faith is an actual, functional, practical, all of life, real faith? Well, it shows up through obedience. Okay, now let me quickly say, yes, we are a gospel-centered church, right? We are a grace-saturated church that eternal life, life in it all, life comes um, by the grace of God through um, faith in Christ alone, right? That, that it, is, it is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, right? That's the only way that grace is undeserved favor. It's something we can't earn. So no, this isn't works righteousness. No, this isn't legalism. But like James chapter one says, that if you say you believe with your mouth and you sit here and you say amen and we live our lives and, and we have a church life and then a real life, then we are like someone who looks at himself in the mirror and then walks away and forgets what he looks like, right? It's not real. And we see a a warning and an invitation, an exhortation, if you will, here in verse 36. It says, listen, if you truly believe, then it shows up in how you live. You, You will obey. Okay, all of life will give an account to Christ. And the answer isn't, so try harder, do better. The answer is, like John the Baptist, look at Christ and find yourself in him. Submit to him, rejoice, and say, he must increase, but I must decrease. And so, now church, as we close, I want us all to consider some things just individually and then as a community as well. First, in what aspects of your life do you, the creature, the created, tend to want to replace the creator? In what ways do you, do you think, well, life's really all about me? I, I, I actually really want to make it all about me. And I don't say that in a, in a shaming, like wagging of my finger, but understanding that we're all, again, by, by nature, outside of God's intervention, we're enslaved to self. Okay, and so connected to that, the second question is, what would it look like for you to be set free from enslavement to self? What would it look like? Can you even imagine with me? By, it's a miracle that this would happen, but that someone else would get the credit or someone who, even worse, someone who does not deserve the credit, right? Who is, who's actually a scoundrel and you have been faithful and now they're getting the attaboys. They're getting the pats on the back. They're getting the promotion. What would it look like to be so set free from self that that just doesn't have the impact that it otherwise would? That you're just freed up to say, you know, I'm going to trust God is faithful. In the end, he will works it out. I'm going to continue by his Holy Spirit. I'm going to continue to be able to glorify him and love my neighbor. 
and leave the results to him and trust that in the end, it's all about Jesus anyway. So like, what would it look like to engage life in such a way that was like, God, I don't, I don't like it. We can be honest. I don't like where I'm at right now. This is difficult right now, but somehow I trust and I pray that you will be glorified and that through that, at least in the end, I will rejoice in your glory. I will get to, like we saw there, I will get to be like the best man who is just so thankful that, that, the, that, the, that the groom, the bridegroom, his bride is coming and I get to stand right next to him and, and rejoice in his glory. What would it look like to be so freed up to actually live life that way? And, and again, for us corporately, as a church, even now as we respond in worship and singing and, and taking communion and all these things that we understand that because all of life belongs to Christ, all of life comes from, life, from Christ, and then all of life is for Christ, is about Him, is about His glory, and then that ultimately all of our lives will give an account to Him, that our obedience will be revealed. What would it look like for us now to say, even in our singing, in our prayers, Lord Jesus, you must increase and I must decrease. And somehow miraculously in that, there is life. There is joy. Amen? All right, let's pray together. Again, Father, thank you um, that you love us too much to let us continue to live as spoiled children who, um, who think it's all about us. Lord, you love us too much to allow us to settle for believing that we, the creatures, can replace you, the creator. Lord Jesus, thank you that you love us so much that you gave of yourself. Lord, that you did what we would not otherwise do. You descended, you sacrificed. And then because of your resurrection, we too now can, can give of ourselves freely Lord, we can live all of life for your glory, for others' good, and in that, we find great joy. I, I trust that only by your Spirit, Lord, will you bring this about. We can't think ourselves, read ourselves, sing ourselves, work ourselves up to a place where this actually happens, where this is actually good news. Lord, but it is. So by your grace, through your Spirit, will you free us from enslavement to ourselves and allow us God, to join in John the Baptist and saying, here he is. Let's rejoice in him. He must increase and I must decrease. Lord Jesus, we pray all these things in your name. Amen.